are listening to The Benchcast with your hosts, Elvis Mendez and Coach Ben. How's everyone doing? A sip of coffee for the working man. Today's a nice day. Today is not 110 degrees. Starting your morning routines out there. Yeah, been hot. Very hot past few days. Hundreds. Hundred degreesers. But now we're cooling off a little bit. It's nice. It's good. Get the window open. I'm not dying up here. Um, we're talking conditioning today. Because I was out on my walk the other morning. And I realized... And I'll get into it a little bit more in this podcast, but I realized how good that I've gotten since I started going back full power more regularly because I realized I walked up that that mountain without the hill. (laughs) (laughs) I walked up the paved hill. (laughs) I walked up the paved hill without breathing through my mouth and huffing and puffing. And I didn't realize till after. And I was like, wow, gained something here. So I decided I would do today's podcast on conditioning. I think that's a good topic for a powerlifter because it kind of goes overlooked, but it has a lot of um, benefit to the powerlifter. Although, you know, it's something that we kind of shy away from, we don't really want to do, but it doesn't have to be a real strenuous thing. You don't always need to have to be like a strenuous thing. In order to um, and actually see progress and have it affect your training in a positive light, so we are going to delve into this a little bit. Uh, got Elvis here with his big ass knee. Says his big ass knee isn't feeling good yet. Big ass knee is swollen as fuck. <laughs> so it's bigger than it normally is big. Yep, it went from a Jurassic to a Gigantosaurus. So it's super big right now. He's all swollen. Uh, I got TENS unit on me, trying to use that a little bit more. I do think that's a nice little tool, the TENS unit. You ever use one of those? Oh, yeah, I love those. Yeah, I think it's a nice little thing. Well, it's passive. I'm just sitting my ass down right now, and I'm getting jolted. So it's cool. Uh, I'm trying to recover up for a big squat tomorrow, so I'm just trying to apply as much as I can to get that better. Uh, I'm ready to go. So, All right, guys, we're going to start it up here. We got any questions rolling in? We're taking questions. We are taking your favorite conditioning exercises. Uh, whatever you want to post up here, we're taking them. We, we got a bunch of favorite conditioning exercises. Why don't we touch on some? We got uh, sled pushes. Sled pushes, great. Yeah, I'm going to touch on that. We got sled drags. Mm-hmm. Farmer carries. Farmer uh, carries, great. Tire flips with a Y. Yep, tire flips. I'm going to touch on that. That's some European tire flips right there. Farmer's carries, I totally left out of my stuff because I freaking hate them. <laughs> but probably didn't cross my mind. Uh, <laughs> great for your grip, though. Really good. I'm um, throwing on the dead of the day. Work that grip extra. And then for uh, Christian, how much you bench? Uh, how much do I bench? How much do you bench, fella? Let's go with how much you bench. Well, I bench about 730. Three fitted. <laughs> now four forty raw. What am I looking at four forty raw and uh, seven thirty multiply? Well, I want to touch on farmers carries. I'm writing that down in my notes today because I want to touch on farmers carries. All right, so <clears throat> let's kick it off with what does conditioning 
mean to you? Well, if you're asking me, conditioning, good conditioning to me means a better distribution of oxygen. Pretty simply put, if I had to assign it some kind of uh, description, that's what I would say. I was thinking about it, <clears throat> better distrib distribution of oxygen, because that's ultimately what's what's happening there. Is your the oxygen you're taking in is getting better distributed throughout the body, so your muscles are able to keep working at an efficient rate. Um, you don't end up huffing and puffing, having to catch your breath to catch up with oxygen. So when we're talking good conditioning, it's just a better distribution of oxygen, and really that training effect is going to happen a lot quicker than trying to gain muscle or trying to gain strength. The aspects that go into that being able to get well conditioned is going to uh, happen a lot more quickly um, and you don't have to do again anything too too strenuous you can simply go for a walk things like that that we're going to touch on um, but if i had to assign a definition that's what i would say i'm interested to hear if there's any other thoughts out there um, if you had to assign a definition to uh, conditioning you know, maybe we can even look that up. But Elvis, what do you got? What do you think? What do you think conditioning? What What do you think? What's it mean to you? To me, I think that uh, your heart rate doesn't skyrocket to one eighty going up some stairs. Yeah, so that's physical effects of it, um, which is nice because <laughs> not too long ago I was huffing puffing trying to get up the damn stairs too. But uh, you you got a bunch of questions today. A bunch of questions. A bunch of questions. Oh, uh, let me touch on one more thing before we get to these questions. So. If I had to, I was thinking the other day, I was on my walk, I was like, what, what condition it mean to me? Well, simply better distribution of oxygen. And why is that important as a power lifter? Because you may be thinking, you know, at a meet, how conditioned do I really have to be? All right, I got a shit ton of time before each attempt. I'm usually just as good before the next one. Um, it's more, I would say more along the lines, it's going to help you more in your training than anything. And... First off, you know, before we get into what it will do for your training, health and well-being. You got to keep that in mind, right? If you're huffing and puffing trying to get upstairs and, um, you know, there's the extreme of it. I've heard many stories of lifters who are so unconditioned, so fat and unconditioned. Yeah, they will literally fall asleep in between sets. I don't know how true that is, but I've heard mul multiple stories about people just falling asleep on the bench or whatever. Um if you're really unconditioned um that's that's the extreme that's if you're like really up there in weight and you're just super poorly conditioned and uh i mean you're just tired and you're you're sluggish and just training it's so hard to pump that blood through and get the oxygen that you need um passing out a lot um just all bad things and um you know your health and well-being you gotta think beyond just powerlifting. like your quality of life is gonna suck at that point um, so that's obviously one big reason why conditioning is so important. But in terms of your training, I would pretty much break it down into quicker recovery. And why is that so good for you is because now you can get more training in a short period of time. Um, you can be more efficient with your workout. So you're cutting the time of your workout down. Um, but even in terms of going for your heavier attempts, you can do that a lot more efficiently uh, you don't have to wait 20 minutes until you can take a single again. You know, again, on the extreme end, 
but you know you have a period of time like if you did a set of five if you were to do another set of five like five seconds after you aren't going to be able to hit that but if you did that five rep max and you waited maybe 30 minutes potentially you know granted there's some muscle breakdown and whatnot in there that has to recover but uh, you could potentially do that set again uh, if you rested long enough you know typically we hit that stuff again like the following week we squatting once a week but um, you know in terms of condition if you're doing like speed work and stuff like that you can see I had cluster sets the other week um, you know I wasn't as good on my third set as I was on the first set because I was doing them back to back but if I had better conditioning I'd be able to attack it with the same intensity throughout um, so that's the type of thing we're talking about with conditioning and that's why it's so important to you as a powerless because now you're getting more work in, more quality work, which is the really important thing. You're bringing more intensity to your sets. And with, with more intensity, more purpose, uh, more activation in your sets, the more strength you'll gain, the more size you'll gain through hypertrophy, that type of thing. So it's really more important so in training than it is in like a meet scenario where you would be right, you know, you're taking a long time between attempts, so it's not gonna affect you too much. So that's why we're talking about this today, because um, it is something very valuable for the lifter. All right, let's hit some questions. First, we got a tatted grunt. Conditioning is reps and reps without dying afterwards. Conditioning is reps and reps without dying afterwards. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Then we have uh, Walsh lift throws. What do you think about including a slingshot or bench daddy max effort day once in a while? Um, is for a raw lifter? Uh, I'm assuming. All right. Um, so it would be very different if it was for a raw lifter or a shirted lifter. If you're a raw lifter, I wouldn't mess with a bench daddy whatsoever. Um, slingshot, like a blue maybe, maybe a red. But that's all I really mess with if you're a raw lifter. Otherwise, you're really just kind of doing yourself a disservice. You're adding more weight than you really need to. Um, you only need to overload so much. Um, so if you're a raw lifter, I see some benefit maybe getting some slingshot work in. I don't know, once every eight weeks or something like that as a purpose of overloading. Uh, depends how you want to break it down. There's a lot of ways you could spin that, but... It would be for the purpose of overloading, and then typically what I like to do is the next week go in and hit your heavy work. So typically if I'm going to put in a slingshot in someone's program, it's going to be on like week three of a four-week phase. That's kind of like a prep. Like we're going to handle something heavy. It's not going It's going to be deload in some fashion, uh, or it's going to be a partial range of motion just to get used to holding that uh, heavy weight. And then the following week's usually like a testing type of week where we're going to try to go heavy as possible. Um, but that's how I would break that down. But I wouldn't even mess with the bench daddy, to be honest with you, if you're raw. Um, I just don't think it's necessary. From SJ91, elbow pain on my way down to bench. My descend to slow your discomfort, a form issue, or possible lingering tendonitis. Is a 330 bench, but he's regressing. All right, so it sounds like you need a break first and foremost. Uh, you're not going to probably you have some, take some weeks off because um, you're probably at a point where you just so you have so much inflammation and damage going on that you know no matter what you do it's just going to start hurting so you got to give yourself a break probably first and foremost um but with the elbow pain i hate answering injury type questions i try to help you guys out as much as i can but i hate answering that stuff because i don't really know the root of the cause like it could be a lot of different things um that's not really my job to say 
uh, again, I would recommend you go into a PT, honestly, because it's super valuable for you to get that opinion from someone that's a professional in that realm, um, instead of asking me, and I'm just kind of generally speaking. But um, what I would say from a technical aspect is that if you're able to get more aggressive and in tune with your back earlier, um, you know, cue the, the reach, the chest up to the bar, feel that upper back activation, um, let the shoulders really fully retract. That's what's going to help keep the tension out of your elbow because then you will truly be benching and loading your back rather than trying to control with your arms, which could lead to a lot of elbow pain and whatnot. Because um, I, I get that too. And if I can really tune in with my back well at the session, then I'm going to really avoid some of that. Then uh, Christian benches about 310. Mm-hmm. And he also, he also got a question for you. What do you think about giant sets for conditioning? Giant sets. Yeah, we're going to get into it. Um, giant sets and stuff for accessories and uh, also cluster sets I wanted to touch on. But, yeah, I'm going to throw that in here too. We're going we're gonna to touch on how... I utilize some of that as a conditioning um, type effect for our athletes. Then how do you feel about negative training for strength and possibly conditioning? Uh, Negatives. Um, I think they're great as, so we use any type of overload thing like that. We typically bench holds, but I have done um, negative with squats. So I have some of our athletes doing heavy negatives um, near the back end of the training cycle. So as they approach the meet, um, they will do a heavy negative down to a pin and just let the bar go on the squats. Just a way to prep the nervous system um, and to handle heavier loads that go beyond their max. Um, so it, it just in terms of having to create that tightness, I think there's a lot of value to if you can create tightness for weight that you're going to be handling over a max, then now you have an appreciation for what you should be doing with sub-max weights, uh, pretty simply put. But, yeah, that's where we'll add that, and that's at the beginning of the workout. And then how about the Bench Daddy for geared lifting? Um, well, Bench Daddy has a very different groove than would your traditional shirt. So uh, if you're planning on using the Bench Daddy in a meet, if you actually have the shirt model, then uh, I have no problems with it. But if you have the actual device and you're going to be using a shirt in a meet, um, then I would just be careful because it's going to be a little bit of a different groove and it's not going to really allow you to tuck your elbows and ride it the bar really low so uh, i think there's more tools out there to be more valuable to be honest with you um i'm talking like the bench freak band i think it's number one for a geared lifter benchfreak.com rich putnam's website uh, i'm all in on that product i think it's fantastic uh, but, I mean, the, from the bench daddy, it depends if you're going to compete in it or not. If you're competing in it, then I see a lot of value for doing extra stuff. I mean, a second day using the device, whatever have you. But um, if you're not going to be using the bench daddy in a meet, then I would definitely switch over to, to something else because I just think it changes the groove too much. Then having trouble finding consistent spot to set my upper back recently. Any advice to set my back more consistently or to find that sweet spot so I'm more stable on the descent? Um, so it sounds like... Every now and then, you're touching on good back activation, but not all the time. Um, this is what I'm getting at. So you're at a loss of what exactly you're cueing or doing that is giving you that back activation. Uh, so the important thing there is when you do feel good, when you feel like you nailed it, um, 
understand the process you went through. So for you, what I would do is I would continuously go through a checklist in your head when you're setting up or benching um, of what you're doing. You know, what, all right, I'm doing this pinch and tuck here, I'm leveraging off the post. Just kind of talk through yourself in your head when you're setting up. And then rem trying to remember what you did or you threw in when you feel that back activation really connect. Um, if you search upper back big benches, we have a lot of good stuff there that you can start to peek through and maybe some of those cues will help. But uh, you definitely want to uh, connect the cue with what's going on in the movement. So once you get that, then you just keep cueing it and you'll be good. You'll hit it every set. From Raw Dog Rich, what's your views on equipped flat benching? No arch, no belly up. He's been seeing this lately. Equipped flat benching. So in a shirt but purposely going flat. Yep. Um, I, I'm just not a fan of that. <laughs> if I'm in a shirt, I'm especially because the shirt to me is more of a technical practice than it is a strength-building exercise. Uh, while, of course, you are building strength, um, when I'm in a shirt, that's really technical practice for me. That's technical proficiency. That's how you're going to get better in the shirt. Uh, if you want to build up, you know, I stick to mostly raw stuff to actually build that strength. But, um, you know, it wouldn't make sense to me to do any type of flat benching. I would never program that. I would never use that in my training. The only time I make it close to that is I have done, um, like, some close grip board work afterwards just to hit the tricep but it's a really high board um, and you're just kind of using the um, the shirt as a way to overload more so you know I would take like 585 and just pound it off two board a few times um, but I, I wouldn't really consider that flat bag I'm still like really trying to I'm not as intently getting an arch but I am getting into a good position of course which I always recommend um, but yeah just for main bench work I would not uh, be into that all right, let's get back to conditioning. All right, we're back to conditioning. Took a pause for the cause. Thanks, everyone, for dropping your cues. We got good activity this morning. I like you, all you guys getting involved in the podcast here. Sip a coffee for the working, man. Oh, sorry. One last thing. Alex Pomp 33 challenges you to a curl-off. We can do more curls with 10 pounds. <laughs> a curl-off. Um, my curls right now probably aren't so great. I have been doing uh, dumbbell curls, though. I've been trying to go heavier with those. Gotten up to, like, 50s for reps. Um, but my barbell curl's probably down pretty good. I have to get that back up. No excuses, though. So I got that right in the garage here. I got to get on my curl game. Um, I think they should bring back power curling because if they had power curling in the contest, then I would be uh, down to do that for sure. Just something different. That'd be cool. They used to have power curl in some of the WMPF meets that, uh, that I did. So, All right. Back to conditioning. Back to conditioning. All right. Um, so we talked a little bit about what conditioning is, the definition of it, and then um, why it's important to you as a power lifter. So, again, I'm going to give you a little personal antidote here about what <laughs> I came upon the other day, which is why I wanted to touch on this in the podcast. Uh, so, I haven't been training much full power. If you went back about three months or so, uh, I was mostly sticking to my bench training. Had bench goals, but you know, and my goals have completely flip flopped. And like my outlook on what I'm going to be doing going forward, competing is totally different now. 
which is really crazy to think about how things can just change on you like a dime. Um, but I was walking up the hills, taking a walk, because it was a good day the other day, right? It was like 75, something like that. We've been having 100-degree days, so that feels like freaking cold. Uh, so I'm going around on a walk. It's a nice day. All right, I go up the hill, and then, you know, I'm, I'm listening to my audio book or whatever. Picked up a new audio book, Miracle Morning. Figured to give it a listen. Have you listened to it? I read it. You've read it. Elvis has read every book, but I picked it up on audio book. So I'm walking up my hill, going to the woods a little bit. I come back, and then it hits me. I'm like last time I walked this freaking hill, I was breathing out my mouth. I was huffing puffing, and I just literally went up this hill. And I was just breathing out my nose normal. Didn't really even phase me. Um, so I was like, oh, shit. I must be better conditioned. So <laughs> I was like, that's pretty cool. Because I haven't purposely been doing any conditioning stuff. Um, you know, I haven't been super diligent about my walks. Haven't really been on a treadmill and nothing. Haven't been doing battle ropes. Really haven't been doing nothing in specific. But I've been busting my ass doing this full power training. And uh, it just goes to show you... You know, adding that back into my routine, how much I was affected missing that. Um, and, you know, Elvis was there the other day. I was busting my, uh, my ass on some cluster sets. Man, that got my heart rate jacked. That looked intense. That, was... that got my heart rate jacked really high. It was like, it was literally hit cardio. That's what that was, fella. That was hit cardio because I jacked my heart rate way up to like it was going. I had to sit down for a second before I wanted to get up. And then it came back down, and I was like, all right, Elvis, hit the mono. And then I was jacked up here again. So that was literally just hit cardio. It was a great um, speed work day. And um, just, man, the the benefit you actually get if you push yourself like that. I just walked up that freaking hill, and I breathed out my nose. That's pretty cool. Because I was before, just knowing where I was at before, um, you know, a huge difference. So just the addition of the full power train, I was like, wow, that's great. And, uh, you know, I thought we'd do this little um, podcast here on conditioning. Um, that really surprised me. But it was nice to see. It's nice. It's like a uh, training when you hit a new PR. You know, it was a new conditioning PR for me. Um, and I was also listening to Elite FTS podcast. Um, it was it Matt Rose, Jim Wendler, and Vinny DiZenzo the other day. And they were touching on some conditioning stuff as well. Um, but I just thought that was really cool. Just by adding in the full power training stuff. Um and we're going to get to that cluster set shit in a second. So, I don't know, have you ever been through a scenario where you're just surprised, like maybe you had struggle with this before, climbing some mountain, and then you come back and you're just like, wow, I'm really surprised that I could handle that better. Yeah, I, I was uh, I was going to like one of my second football games out in uh, Newark. And then, I don't know if you've ever been there, but you know the setup, it's like, to get to the train there, it's like up and around some stairs. It's a little bit of like a jog, you know. Football game? Yep, yep. Foot at the metal, not the Meadowlands. Is it Meadowlands? No, now it's MetLife. MetLife, there Met we go. Life, but it is in the Meadowlands, I guess. Jets, Pats, you know. Yep. So then I, I went there for a, a music festival, and doing that same thing, I was out of breath, getting finally getting there and everything. I was just dying. And then I go for the game, and I'm just, like, breathing easy. Yeah, just kind of you were realizing, like, shit, uh, this is better than last time. Oh, yeah, like my heart rate wasn't skyrocketed or anything. I was just, you know. And do you know what you did? before that that probably made an effect yeah so that was when i actually got into running so that's uh yeah so see the running actually affected you running actually helped because unless you have an efficient system of 
you know, marking that progress as you're going through it, then you start to stumble upon activities that you've done in the past, and all of a sudden now you're way more conditioned for it. Um, for example, we have this big hill where I'm from, my hometown, big ass. This is actually a real mountain, Mount Tom. And um, I remember last time, I used to feel like I could just kind of run up the thing um, when I would go up there with my friends. And um, you know, we went back there and went up, my, my sister and her boyfriend, and uh, I, I was freaking tanked. I had to take a break. Um, granted, I wasn't really doing full power training at that point as well, um, kind of occasionally, but I'm really pushing myself there. And, uh, man, it was just, it was real eye-opening. I was like, shit, I can't do this because I feel like I might die. <laughs> it was like when I was actually nervous because I was on the mountain, and I was like, shit, this isn't good. And um, I imagine now, if I went back at the current state of condition I'm in now, I feel like I would definitely be able to complete that again. Um, but it's, it's things like that you stumble on where you really notice the progress because, uh, I don't know, it's different. It's the stuff that you relate outside of your training. But you're struggling with it, but then you go back it, and then you just realize, wow, this is so much easier. And it just kind of hits you in a nice way because it's affecting your life outside of training as well, um, which is nice to see. So conditioning affects you all across the board. And then your health and well-being, you know, you're going to be able to recover from sessions better. You're going to be able to, I just even say, process food better. You know, you're going to be able to get those nutrients to your bloodstream better. Um I don't know, what would you relate poor condition to? It's like your bloodstream's all jammed up. It's all gooey. It's like freaking oil or something. I, I, you... I feel like when you're poorly conditioned, it's like... He has car analogies. Give us a good car analogy. Give us a good oiled I, car analogy. I was like, I, I even had a better one. I was going to say, like, when you're poorly conditioned, it's like move, trying to move through jello. It's like you're trying to move through, like, molasses. That's a better one. Yeah. You know, like like, your whole body just doesn't feel great. And then, you know... But when you're actually conditioned, you're, like, moving freely. Yeah. That's good. That's a good one. It's like your blood's molasses. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you put some water in there, and it cranks things up. But, yeah, that's uh, that's conditioner for you. It makes a big, big difference. From uh, Cast Iron Gym, he enjoys cycling for cardio. Mm-hmm. Recently bought a fat bike. Trying to go for a couple rides each week, but it's winter here, so it gets dark just after I get home from work. Damn, fella. Damn. Winter, winter will get you. Yeah, that, that darkness stuff. I hate that sort of shit. Um, that's the winter for me. I, I hate the winter mostly. Not even because the absence of the... Well, yeah, the absence of the leaves, but the darkness is what kills me. It's not even the cold. If it was cold and it was like light out at 6 to 7, 8, then I wouldn't have much of a problem with it. How about you, Elvis? You need the light. You need I, the vitamin D. I, I am more than happy with uh, riding in the cold. It's just when it gets dark. I agree. Yeah, it's darkness. It's just no good. No good. I, I also want to talk about uh, what do you think are the negative things of conditioning? Because you just talked about a bunch of positives. But I can go along. Oh, like how it can affect your training. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to touch on that. All right. Um, first, I want to kind of delve into where to begin. You know, if you're listening to this, you're a powerlifter, you're like, wow, this conditioning stuff sounds really good, can really positively affect me. Well, where the hell do I begin? Well, to meet you quite frankly at the the lowest point like the easiest thing you could possibly do is just go for a walk and that probably be just as good as you have to do ever to really get into a good condition as a power lifter i mean we're not trying to be marathon runners here we're just trying to get through our workouts efficiently and with good quality uh so walks is probably really all you ever have to do if you enjoy going for a walk i really like going for walks i don't run i'll pull my hammy <laughs> that's why i can't play football with anyone anymore I retired from that years ago. 
Elvis is still trying to do it. He's still trying to relive the glory days. Trying to find a pickup game, just, you know. He's, he loves those pickup games. I can't. I'll play Madden. That's about <laughs> it. That gets me as close as I'll get. Um, but locks are great. I'll go. I got some hills up here. Fortunate to have a nice little hilly area and a foresty area. And, um, you know, I'll take locks there. And around the neighborhood's really nice. So I enjoy that. So that's pretty much the extent of my conditioning nowadays. And, you know, the addition of my full power training, some things I'm doing with my cat work or speed work rather, too. Um, but, you know, that's quite simple. If you're, like, a really big dude, because a lot of powers are really big dudes. You don't want high-impact activities because that can negatively affect your performance in the gym. Um, walks are pretty, you know, easy on you. And especially if you wanted to do, like, a sand walk on the beach, too. Walk the beach a little bit. You know, we're fortunate to have beach access not that far away. So if I wanted, I could... Um, throw sandals on my feet and just kind of get in the sand work my foot muscles I guess you could say kind of like that trainer when you jam your hand into a sand bucket and try to squeeze or something um but yeah I could do a lot with walks change the incline and um the length and what you're walking on you know with that alone you can pretty much do all the conditioning to do as a power lifter to be honest with you but um some other options treadmill um, like you don't have to run on it, but I love doing an incline walk on the treadmill, especially if it's the winter time and I just want to um, get something in without walking around or whatever. If I'm at the gym anyway, incline treadmill. I'm not running, but I'm, it's jacking me up pretty good. That uh, that winter's rough for conditioning. Yeah, you know, really, it, it's it's more of a mood thing too. It's like you're walking around seeing barren trees and shit. And for some reason, this is weird. I was to tell you, um, I get plenty fine signal in the summertime walking around anywhere around here plenty fine signal on my phone never problem in the winter i don't know why but same area just dead everywhere total dead zone like i can't get 4g i can't listen to music you know i've had to download all my spotify songs i don't know why that is i, I couldn't tell you it's like they're purposely kicking down the signal to save money because the winter no one's out walking i think that's what it is i think it's all a freaking scheme it's a big conspiracy right now yeah, yeah, I think, I guarantee, because there's not that many people out, so probably kicking it back a little bit. Guarantee it. Save money. But treadmill's great. Sled. Someone touched on sled work, right? Sled's great. I got a sled in my backyard. I don't use it as much as I should, but I got a sled back there. Um, you can pull it. You can drag it. You can hook up a harness. You can walk with it. Um, wet trees and buildings will block Wi-Fi. Um, well, there's not too many trees to speak of, and the buildings are all the same. Um, but yeah, I know what you're saying. But uh, but in the winter time, yeah, it's just it's just because everything's barren. So I don't know. I'm gonna go with my theory <laughs> that it's a scheme. I think it's AT and T messing with me. The only thing Bullshit. I can think of is that more people are just on their phones in the winter. Maybe they're inside. Maybe so. Yeah. But that's the only thing I can think of. But other than that, I got nothing. It's literally night and day. Like, I have no problems in the summer. In the winter, cut me off. They cut me off. All right, so sled in the backyard. I got the sled there. I mean, that's great work. And I don't have an expensive-ass sled. This is a rogue thing. Uh, you just put the plates on top. It's not like a push prowler one. Um, and you can get good work done with that. But even if you want to just go barbaric, you can make your own sled. Throw a rope around something heavy and drag it. All there is to it. Um, do more work in less time. So you don't even have to change what you do at the gym. 
You just have to do more of it in less time. So let's let's touch on those giant sets now. Um, you know, that's if for your accessory work, how do you normally schedule your accessory work? Do you do your back work? All right, you do maybe you do three sets of rows and then you move on to three sets of biceps and then you do three sets of that. Um, instead of giving yourself that break, why don't you put it all together in one big superset, right? Hit that row, hit that bicep, no, don't rest. Just go next one, next one, next one, line it all up, bang it down. Um, all my athletes get programmed with supersets in the, um, in the accessory work because I want them to push that high pace. And I'll say push this high pace because um, you're getting that conditioning work in. You're, you're getting that benefit of increased work capacity. Okay, so again, you don't have to change what you do on your program. You just gotta do it quicker and then you'll get conditioning in. And that brings me to what I've been doing with my cluster sets lately. All right, especially with the squat because what annoys me is having to rely on people more than anything. I like putting on my own equipment, my own powerlifting gear, right? Um, I don't like people helping me. That's just how I am. I wrap my own knees, even in my suit and my briefs. I wrap my own knees. Um, you know, I like to do everything myself because then if I screw something up, it's on me. Um, and goes for pulling the mono too. Uh, but I have to do it. I have to get someone to pull the mono. Elvis was pulling my mono last time instead of keeping them around for having to get them nine sets and just annoy the shit out of people because again I don't want people having to, to take a time away from anything to help me I don't like that uh, training partners I don't like people to help me uh, with my training so instead of taking Elvis there from his deadlift training nine separate times just so I can get my freaking sets in I just pull him over for one quick one right I'll get three sets in so I'll do a three by three, literally in a very short time frame. You were there, so I went bang, bang, three box squats, right? We put it back for a second. It wasn't even 10 seconds I probably rested. Bam, three box squats, and then put it back. Then boom, three box squats, put it back. Maybe took up a minute of his time, got all those three sets in, and then I'll pull them back later on. Perfectly rate, fitted in my rest period. Perfectly fitted. He was resting anyway. My heart rate was up through the freaking roof. Oh, it was great. Um, and it's something I'm going to continue to do with my training. Um, because then, too, the problem is if you're in a large group as well, what's happened if you're in a large group? Say you're in a group of five benching, right? And you're trying to do speed work, forget it. You're not getting that work capacity benefit. Throw it out the window. It's not going to happen. But if you cluster it up, you do three sets, bang, 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 you're going to jack yourself up, and you're going to get some benefit out of that. And then you'll have a little longer rest before the next. Um, this is what we did with one of our athletes the other day, Austin. When we were over training our bench day, um, you know, I brought him up to the point where we were all on the same pace. So we are all going to end at the same time about with our sets. And um, I wanted him to get some of that benefit since he's still kind of like in an off-season type of training mode. Um, so I was like, oh, we're going to cluster him up. So he did... A five by five, uh, or a, it would be a set of five back to back, set of fives with a pause. He was busting, he was hauling, but that was good. He's gonna get some work capacity benefits. All right, so just keep doing what you're doing, but change up how you go about doing it, and you'll get some benefits there. All right, this is a swig of coffee for the working man. It's a lot to talk. I gotta get my condition up to talk here.
Uh, Stone Cold was on Raw the other day. It was a Raw reunion show, so all the guys were back. That was cool to see. I mean, he's old now, but whatever. He's still a legend. That's my childhood right there, seeing the Rock come, or seeing the Stone Cold come out, smack, stomp some mud holes in some people, slam some beers. Um, so that was a good show if anyone's into wrestling, WWE. Um, so those are some things that you can do. What are some other modalities, some things that you don't normally think of that could positively affect your conditioning in different ways? I'll tell you one. I think yoga is actually one that could actually really positively affect your conditioning. Maybe not in the type that you're breathing heavily, but in terms of using your muscles and then the extended period of time that you're using them, that conditioning effect and the building up the slow twitch fibers, I think there's a lot of value to that because I've been going on Tuesdays over to hit LA Fitness doing the yoga class. And um, now you know doing some of those poses, man, like a warrior pose thing where we get up in a little like half moon type shit on one leg. Um, man, everything in my legs is fire and I can see it all twitching and shit. And, you know, maybe I'm not huffing and puffing for air. I mean, it's certainly kicking my ass, but it's kicking my ass in a different way. Like, I'm really using my muscles for a very long time. Um, so I think that could have a lot of benefit. Um, truck pulls. That's an interesting one. Truck pulls, I've done those. I've been seeing them a lot more on Instagram. I don't know if it just started trending again Days. or something. but Car pushes are always great. I've done truck pulls in the past. With my buds, I had a harness that the strongman wear. We hook it up to a truck or car or whatever. It's actually not that bad if you're on flat road. I mean, once you get that thing moving, you're freaking booking. But um, it's really not that bad. But it'll burn the shit out of your legs. Um, oh, we got the dudes mowing next door again. Right, we got our uh, normal Wednesday morning. Um, we're going to film after this. I hope no one's mowing the lawn next door. Um, swimming. Elvis does a lot of swimming. Swimming's real good. It's very low impact. You don't have to worry about, like, you know, very just low. wearing tear and joints or anything. So, As long as you don't get stuck in the pool with the old people in the slow lane, you want to get in the fast lane. Unless you're like me, I'm slower than the old people. From uh, Tommy Matthews. Oh, jeez. Oh. Is this going to affect... Uh, we're going to get steamy in here for a bit. We got freaking mowers next door. God damn it. Hit me. From Tommy Matthews. I always hear about sled work. You guys have success with that consistently. Uh, not something I do consistently. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, I was kind of talking about how I'd mostly stick to walking in different capacities. But yeah, sled work's good. If you did uh, stick to a program with it, um, it's like anything. You progress it, it's all going to work out for you. Uh, I know that was big in the past, like West Side, I believe. Um, I just hear they've done a lot of sled shit outside, and they would build up capacity with that, like the total volume they're doing um, with the sled. <laughs> but I haven't really delved into that. Um, Farmer's carries someone brought up earlier in the show. Farmer's carries are wonderful. I used to end deadlift days with farmer's carries. Um, carrying heavy-ass weight outside because my grip, my freaking grip would give out. So trying to build that up. And uh, it was just tough for me in the aspect that my grip couldn't hold on to the damn weight. But, you know, that's another benefit. You're getting the conditioning, but you're also getting that grip training. Um, biking. I don't do too much biking, but it can be really rewarding and not really impact your knees like running would. Um, are you doing biking there? I need to get a bike again. I used to bike all the time because right here on Long Island, we have so many bike trails everywhere. So much fun. I just got to get back. 
I've never seen a bike trail out here. There's so many. I, oh, man. I've been missing them. <laughs> I've been missing out on the bike trail. I have a bike. I just haven't taken it nowhere. Uh, but, yeah, I can see how that could be. If you're having, like, issues with your knees trying to run or go uphill or something like that, I can see how biking could be a good alternative for you. Um, sledgehammer on a tire. Uh, that's one of my favorite things. It can eat up your hands a bit. You get blistered if you don't wear gloves or something because just the, the nature of it, you're just rubbing down on that sledgehammer. But that's something I've been programmed in to our athletes training sledgehammers on a tire. Nothing gets your aggression out like taking a sledgehammer and slamming a tire. That's a fun one. Tire flip someone brought up. That's great too because you could go, if you want a big heavy tire like you see in the strongman, um, you can get a big ass tire at like a, I don't know, whatever you call them, car, auto body things. A big tire place. Michelin tire or whatever. <laughs> go to Michelin tire or whatever the hell. What's the other one? Jiffy Loops. Mavis, they got big ass. They get places that get the big ass um, tractor tires there, right? Um, you can just go pick those up because they're paying to get rid of that material. So if they have a worn down tire in the back, you can just go literally pick it up with a truck, take it. They're more than happy to do that because they're paying for it. So now you're taking it off their hands for free. So it's very easy to get your hands on the tire. Only thing, you know, is that getting rid of it on your own account after is going to be a real bitch. So it's going to be in your backyard for a while. Um, ball throws, again, speaking easy, it's just pick up a heavy-ass object, throw it. Whatever. Vinny DeZangelo was talking about that the other day in the Lead FTS podcast I was listening to. Um, you just take, like, a med ball, throw it, go up to it, throw it. Even better, grab a football, run some routes. That's it. Or run routes with yourself. Throw it. <laughs> bring back your childhood a little bit. Um, so then, you know, the most important thing, making it routine. So what I was saying when Tommy posted that question, whatever you choose out of these, they're all great. It's just you have to make it a routine thing, and you have to make it so that you continuously see progress. That's the important thing. Um, and then tying it into your training. So this is where we'll get into how it could possibly negative affect your training. Um, oh, if you want to talk a little bit about how it might negatively uh, affect your training, like one of these. So, well, like with anything, right? When we, in the gym, we want to push it. In conditioning and cardio, you know, you sometimes that kind of leaks over, and you really want to push that too. Yeah. <clears throat> so, like a walk or a light jog could easily turn into a sprint or a run. And that's just another workout that you need to recover from. Like, a walk is nice. You know, anyone can walk. You don't need a recovery from the walk. Mm -hmm. So if it starts to leak into your training, if you see, like, your numbers go down, you don't feel like you're to go to the gym anymore, like, to train heavy, it could just be, like, you're really just pushing and conditioning too much. Yeah, and the sprint works on your body in the same way a big max effort squat would uh, when we break it down because it's an all-out effort to max effort run. So you're really getting a lot of the breakdown you would get squatting um, in very different, you know, like um, your muscle breakdown type of way. And then physiologically, it's, uh, you're getting the same adaptation. So if you're doing a lot of sprints and then you're trying to squat as well heavy, you're going to have some issues with that. Um, if you wanted to work sprints in, hit training, stuff like that, you might want to do that on a week that you're not going heavy for the squat. 
you know, it all kind of plays into each other. And a lot of these are going to be more low intensity, like a walk. That's not going to beat you out. That's going to help you, if anything. Like, from before my heavy squat tomorrow, I'm going to go for a walk just to get my hips good. Um, but if you're doing, like, a max effort sled pull, or you're doing, um, like, a max effort truck pull, just something that's very exhausting. Doing, like, that sprints anywhere. You. Yeah, sprints at all. That's going to exhaust you. So, um... You know, because think about it, you're not going to sprint around a track four times. It's not going to happen. So uh, that's why people pace each other, uh, pace themselves. The most important thing with conditioning is you want an aerobic adaptation instead of anaerobic. Because in lifting, it's all anaerobic. Yeah. You you want like your heart to get into it. You want to like at, at the end of it, you you know, if you could talk or breathe through your nose while you're doing conditioning, you're probably at the right intensity. Yeah, I could see how. Um, even tire flips will play into like a deadlift day. It's the same type of motion as well. Um, so a lot of these motions you don't want to overuse too. Because I mean, even if you did do light intensity tire flips, if you're just doing a shit ton of it too, um, it could potentially wear down some of those smaller muscles in your back and whatnot. It just wouldn't be very conducive to deadlifting. And some of these play well with uh, lower intensity, like tire flips or like uh, hitting it with a hammer. I'm gonna get real pumped about doing that. Yeah, that's yeah. But I can I can, you know, take a nice relaxing walk, I can take a nice like slow swim. So Yeah. Alright guys, I think that pretty much touches on everything I want to touch on here with conditioning. If you have any more questions you can drop them below or forever hold your peace. Um and we answered some great questions at the beginning of this podcast. So check that all out. Um you know, go back, re-listen to that little Q&A section we did. That was that was great. A lot of good stuff came in. I appreciate everyone joining in from the IG Live. Um, I do want to drop another note again before we leave today. Um, we have our live webinar coming up in just, I believe, two short weeks. Two short weeks and we got our live webinar. So uh, that is going to be, again, the same layout as a bench clinic at a fraction of the price because typically a bench clinic ticket will be about $100 and you'd have to be in the location that we're having it but this is going to be live broadcast everywhere and it's going to be less than $10 and you aren't going to pay until the day of so if you reserve now you're going to receive a six week full power program from our site which is a $50 value um, giving that to you for free for signing up early. All right. So you would just go to bigbenches.com on the bench clinic page there. Uh, live webinar is down at the bottom. The link to sign up is there. Um, I would love to have you join us today. We have one of our athletes flying out from Texas to help with the event. Uh, it's going to be awesome if you can't join us that Friday, August 9th at 10 a.m., you will receive a way to watch the entire thing uh, again um, at, a, at a later time. So right after that, we're going to have that file available for those who couldn't make the live time. So um, please join us on that day. Get all your questions answered. We're going over everything okay, that we would normally do on a bench clinic. So if you have any questions at all, it can be more applicable to what you're struggling with. And we'll make sure that you get the help you need. Uh, to transform your bench press. So that is August 9th, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. I look forward to having you join us there. 
Yeah, bigbenches.com slash bench clinics. And that's a wrap. You have been listening to uh, The Bench Cast.